Welcome to another Backer Views episode, number two. Highly experimental. John Harper last week, this week. Penthux, welcome. Thank you. So uh, we'll get straight to the questions, I think. This this week, the Conclave number three actually came out, which was good. Featured both of us. Yeah. So I thought maybe um, we could kind of stick with some of those questions, you know, some of those subjects. But first of all, um, one thing that hasn't been talked about a lot was the flotation of frontier developments. Yeah. Now, there's been mixed mixed feelings on this from some people. It's bound to have a mixed reaction from a lot of people. If I was frontier developments, if I was a member of uh, of the board, I would see what they did as a very very good business move. Put them in a very strong position financially. People such as myself who only see you know we see we see the chess pieces getting moved around, but we don't. We don't know why. So we're kind of looking at it without a fully informed opinion. We're just seeing what, what we see and read in, in the news. The company did what it did because that was the best thing to do, obviously. It's not going to put itself at risk uh, if it's not going to work out. So I think people should look at it as, as, a, as a, um, a stepping stone to, to greater things for frontier developments, not as... We got stitched, or why did they ask us for donations when they were planning this and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a business thing. It's got nothing to do with game players like uh, me and you. Sure, but I mean, I guess if if somebody was cynical, they might say that, in effect, they've kind of leveraged one and a half million pounds of uh, community money to put them in a position where they could basically secure financing and then float the company. Mm. Some people would say, well, that's fine. That's just fair business. It's a side effect. But some people might feel a bit, I don't know, put out by it, I guess. Yes, I can imagine why. But then again, there's no there's no contract between Frontier Developments and those people that, uh, that donated through the Kickstarter other than Frontier Developments will produce the game and supply them with whatever rewards they got through the donation. People are going to be cheesed off because they're thinking in terms of, well, you know, now they can afford to do whatever. You know, they can they can build um, they can build Elite Dangerous that could take over the world. You know, next thing we know, we'll have Neo popping up Matrix style. So I'm one of those that think, yeah, the the, the company is is going to greater things. You know, it's um, it's developing. I was actually surprised, thinking back, it was 2000 and something. David Braben gave an interview, and at the end he was asked a question, you know, is Elite Four still on the cards? And he said um, it would be a shame if it wasn't, which at the time, you know, it it led everybody to believe that it was still being developed. But uh, the point of this is um, he had at that time... I think it was a hundred and something employees in the company. And I thought, wow, wow, a hundred, I think it was 113 or 111. And I thought, wow, I thought it was like six people in some stuffy little office in Cambridge doing hand coding with text editors. But no, Frontier Developments was, you know, it was really, uh, it was really doing things and going places. And it still is. And this is just flotation on the, uh, and the stock market is just another stepping stone to greatness. Cool. I mean, because I always thought that just going by what I always wanted, you know, 
Elite to be the next reincarnation of it. I always thought it was going to have to be something so massive and so spectacular that, you know, it would take a lot of time and a lot of effort to put it together. And so I could completely get on board with the idea that uh, those stuffy publishers probably wouldn't want to take a gamble on it. Mm. Kind of understand that. You know, I think anything that's going to help uh, Frontier Developments, you know, secure the future of the game, because at the end of the day, their own financial security is important to the game. Absolutely. You know, they had to make a business decision. They're business people at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's how you've got to look at it. You know, the, the business has to survive. What if we piled almost £2 million into um, Elite Dangerous and the company was in financial ruin? I mean, we would, we would then say on the other side of the coin, you really stitched us up. You know, you, uh, you took our money on a wing and a prayer and now the company's going under and we're going to get nothing. That's, you know, it's um, better that, that they're doing what they're doing and in the position that they're in than the alternative. I, I can't really complain that people are throwing money at Frontier. I wish I could afford more. I wanted to win the lottery last uh, last Christmas. I wanted to win the lottery so I could give half of it to Frontier towards Elite Dangerous. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> cool. You'd have had your name on the credits or something yeah, as well. It not matter. I just want, I just want, I want my ship. I want my universe. That's what I want. Talking of your universe, you've played Eve, right? Yeah. I guess that from what you said previously. So that takes us on to the rather interesting topic of, um, you know, griefing and ganking, which we kind kind of touched on before. And I think on Conclave, I said, you know, I think it's quite subjective in in what ganking or griefing Mm. is to different people. You know, so so what's your thoughts on it? My personal thoughts on ganking is don't be in the wrong place at the right time um, or you will get ganked. My attitude is is probably a a lot different to the majority of people because I don't mind it. Obviously, um, you cannot survive that unless you're incredibly lucky by some turn of fortune. You, You manage to escape. But gang killing is fun for a lot of people. And if they want to go around in groups picking off weak players, they will do it. And I think if there's a lot of people complaining about it, you know, because they don't want to think they're going to be on the receiving end. I've actually laughed <laughs> at the thought of being ganked. I've, I've had it so many times. It's, it's so much fun. I don't disagree with it. You know, I, I think I actually read, I've read a lot of forum posts today. I've even replied to one of them. You know, it, it seemed to me that all the time these people that are complaining about ganking and unwarranted player killing, PKing and, and things, you know, they seem to want to be able to go about the business without being bothered or with the, without the threat of attack. And I think that is not the elite dangerous universe I want to be in. I, I want to always be looking over my shoulder, always checking the uh, the blind spots, you know, always looking ahead, looking behind on the radar. If this, if they put, if they're going to incorporate something like a proximity alert, that would be cool, you know, because then it's uh, your, your proximity alarm goes off and it's battle stations, you know, that that's amazing. I can't imagine an elite universe without ganking. It's got to be done. You've got a big group that's pissed off with somebody and they go get them. If they've just had a bad day at school or whatever, they go get them. I, do, I can't fault it. Dog eat dog. You know, I mean, that's that's like uh, kind of like one of the extremes and it kind of reminds me of at LaveCon, you know, Michael Brooks said that if he had it his way, it would, Elite Dangerous would be PvP with permadeath. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
the permadeath may be a bit extreme, but I mean, well, I don't know. Are you that extreme? Do you, do you think that maybe that would be a, a viable game mode? Yeah, it depends how far you want to go. Everybody, see, everybody's as long as everybody's on the same playing field, then it's fair for everybody, and only the players make it unfair or unjust or immoral. But the universe is not a very nice place. It was never designed to be a nice place. You can't even breathe in the, in space. That's how hostile it is for for humans. So you know, if you if you're going to be in an elite universe that's uh, that's full of people, full of nasty people, full of people looking for opportunities to uh, to do one on you, you know, it's going to happen. But if you're going to have a, a universe where oh we can't attack him because he's you know he's he's got a green sticker on his ship and he's a Care Bear miner, we can't attack him. You know what what's the point? It's uh, you might as well play single player game if if that's the case. It's kind of funny you said that because um, you know I, I thought the best parts of Eve, um, although I didn't play it for very long, but I had different reasons. I thought the very the, the best parts of Eve were the ones that people are always complaining about because uh, Eve really does seem to be like the libertarian's dream. Mm. How cutthroat do you imagine the elite universe is going to be? I mean, are Frontier going to be able to keep the more fluffy players happy, mm. or the Care Bears, as you, as you, as you call them? Yeah, I'm hardly qualified to, to comment, because I'm not involved in any way um, in, in the design or the, uh, the thought process that goes in, into the work, uh, into producing the game. But... If, if I was Michael Brooks and I had my way, <laughs> the core systems, let's say um, Akanar, Sol, Alioth, you've got a very strong presence of uh, law and order. So being in that system with your group of friends who are all going to go and gank some noobs, so to speak, you're not going to get away with it. You're going to get shot down. You, you, you're going to get the police on you immediately. So it's not. It wouldn't be wise to carry out this kind of thing in the core systems. Now, when you when you go to like Fector, which is survival of the fittest, you know you you in in Frontier First Encounters, I've been to that place so many times, and immediately you turn on your your combat computer, you know you're going to get some trouble. And I think if Frontier designed so that you've got like a high uh, level of authority. In, in some systems, whereas others, they've got virtually none or, or zero, then it's going to be a much more interesting place because, yeah, there may be gold in those asteroids around that moon in some unstable, anarchic system. Are you going to risk it? Are you going to go there and try and mine those that gold, those diamonds, whatever it is, knowing that you're going to get your ass blown off if you come across the wrong person or are you going to stay in in Sol where you can mine water and minerals all day from the asteroid belts around uh, Saturn the ice belts so it's um, the mind boggles I mean I would I would design it that way I would make it so that you know the far away unstable systems that are unexplored and you know miners don't go there because they just get pirated they would have there would be a greater chance of finding rich resources in those systems, and there would be, say, I don't know, a medium-level uh, technology system near to the core. It would make for a much more interesting place. If they wanted to get rich quick, they'd have to risk it. They just wanted to care bear mine all day. That's all, you know, they can stay close to where it's safe. The universe is not a safe place. Some parts may be, but the greater of it isn't. 
So I think with uh, with that in mind, yeah, that's that's how I'd do it. I would make certain areas no go. You know, don't go there unless you want to die. Other areas, you would you would simply stay there all day and be safe. Final question on the kind of theme of Eve. Unlike Eve, uh, Elite's like a it's a proper space sim with proper flight and combat mechanics, and that really gives there there's a real opportunity for physical skill. How do you think that's actually going to to work out for the players? I mean, how big a difference is that going to make between uh, you know Elite and Eve? You mean the the way in which the ship's controlled? Yeah, I mean, in EVE, it was just point and click, and then you didn't really have to aim, you know, all the work was done for you. Whereas now there's going to be this kind of Twitch-based combat, probably favouring the younger people. Do you think that it's still going to appeal massively to EVE players, or do you think that it's actually so radically different, maybe, that they're not going to be interested? I've, I've watched quite a lot of videos and read as much as I can read about the uh, the combat control systems that the the thinking of, and I've, um, I'm especially interested in the was it, was it the second video, the the dogfight in the asteroid field. It looked to me to be a, a little wing commanderish. Now the there's no problem with that if you if you like the the way that it works, the way that it acts, the way that it, that you control it. That didn't really appeal to me, to be honest, when I was thinking about Wing Commander, because I've played all the Wing Commander games, and the ship was jittery. It was very jittery, but it, it was sim- easy to control. You could do it with one hand. And I'm thinking, no, this this isn't quite what I imagined. You know, I, I imagined in, in, like, Frontier First Encounters, where you've got the Newtonian physics uh, way of flying, seemed a, a lot more realistic to me. And you, you got used to it so easy. But I don't know if that's going to work in, in, like, a multiplayer game. And if it does, then you're going to just have jousting matches when you come to um, attack another ship. So it's a fine balance between realism and gameplay, which... I'm no um, authority to uh, to comment, but yeah, it's got to be it's got to be realistic to a point. But then you've got to have the gameplay. Okay, that dovetails kind of into this next question. Yeah, there hasn't been much in the way of you know detail about player to player transfers of in game cash or items or like players being able to like maybe boost their f- new friends or being able you know players being able to like buy their way into the game. But you know, what were your thoughts on that kind of thing? Hmm. Player transactions, now, it would have to be some system that was done electronically, obviously. You would have, you would have like, a console pop-up somewhere in the ship, maybe, and you'd be able to, like, move cargo to another ship. So, I'd initiate contact with another player, and then you can transfer cargo and funds to, an- to another ship, and that would be done all in the, uh, the station docking bay or whatever. Now, if you and me were to meet somewhere out in space and we wanted to and I said hey John you know I've got um, I've got half a cargo load full of slaves which I shouldn't have because um, I'm, I'm federal but you know I need you to take them off my hands and you say well we, we can't go to the local starport because we'll get arrested so you know we have to do it here how do you do that and how do you transfer cargo from one ship to another ship in the middle of space hmm, that's a difficult one so I think they've said it's going to be possible though yeah so I can't imagine, would you dump it and then you track to beam it in or, or cargo scoop it? I don't know. It's probably the most likely way, actually. You know, I dump it, you scoop it. And that would involve some skill on your part. You could actually hover. Say, say some two ships approach an asteroid belt where you're hiding. One starts dumping canisters. 
and you think, well, hey, fire up the thrusters, pinch a few canisters, off you go. That would be cool. And it would also be practical because what I'm not in favour of is like I've already mentioned, I dump it, you tractor beam it in. Tractor beams, nah, you know, Star Trek waffle that should never have been invented. You know, you've got to keep it real to an extent. And I think uh, if you if you got a distress call from a ship and you went to uh, you went to assist it, you just throw a cable out and clamp it to some part of the ship and tow it in, good old fashioned style. Forget your tractor beam. Who needs a tractor beam when you've got a fuel scoop and a cargo scoop? Do you have a problem with um, you know? Can you foresee any problems with players being able to transfer cash to each other? Yes. As you uh, as you mentioned in the question, if you got a, a a new player came straight into the game and you transferred, I don't know, three million credits to them, and they could buy the best ship and the best upgrades and blah blah blah, and then they could go out and join your little clan of pirates, and then they earn money just like you did, and the next player comes along and you give them three million credits, so on and so forth. So then you've got a a big gang of pirates with all the best ships. Even the police can't touch them. You know, it's uh, that would be anarchy and chaos. So, how do you regulate that? Well, that's that's tough. You know, you're gonna have to be able to. You're gonna have to be able to control how much a player can transfer to another player. So, say you could say, right, no two players can transfer more than ten thousand credits in any sort of week call it seven days you say all right then but what if he has 16 friends you know, who each give this new character ten thousand credits yeah that's uh, that's a problem so i think it all boils down to the the new player you know the new player has a reputation in, in some form of he's gonna he's gonna have imperial rank federal rank some other form of, of reputation within the uh, the star system so I think that should play a big part in in exactly how much that new player can receive in items and funds. So if you um, if you've only just arrived in the game and you, you've got you you start a ship and not many credits and you're going to call your friends and say hey give me some credits, but in fact your status um, at the time is zero, so you're not going to get a lot. You're not going to be able to receive a lot of credits. You know. Maybe they could um, they could do it on like online banking facility um, refuses to accept more than a thousand credits until you gain a reputation of I don't know three points or whatever three points would uh, would mean. Do you think maybe that you know that's just very over restrictive? I mean, considering obviously you're quite uh, you know free going when it comes to PvP in a you know in that type of universe, all of a sudden it's kind of being restrictive in in the capitalistic sense is kind of jarring. I mean, I'd, I'd prefer to, and I suppose this is why I think it dovetails into the previous question about you know players actually flying their ships rather than just pointing and clicking, because playing elite is going to require some kind of a physical skill. If a new player does get put into a larger, more powerful ship, is the fact they got that ship negated because they're rubbish, because they're new. They're not going to be able to actually handle it. You know, it's the old thing that you can't actually buy skill. You can buy a big ship, but it's just going to get blown up. And of course, if your ship gets blown up a lot, you're going to end up spending a fort. You're going to just burn through whatever cash you've got in terms of insurance policies. So there may be an opportunity to be more open to allowing players just to, if they, if they want to spend their own money or their friends want to give them a load of money, 
just let them do it. Well, it all depends what um, what Frontier will allow us to do in the game with credits. I've played too many games where the the best, strongest, fastest, most victorious players have basically used money to to get there. It's not something that I like. Um, in fact, a, a good friend of mine on, on IRC, Lysander, showed me a, a cartoon not so long ago um, where this kid comes into the game and, you know, he's um, he's going to teach everybody a lesson and suddenly this guy appears and he, he's a real weed and he's got a real, um, it's a pokey little stick, it's not even a sword and they have this fight and the little weed kills him in like three seconds and, and the guy says, oh my God, how did you do that? And the little weed says, with daddy's credit card. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny to me to see that because I've seen that happen so many times. And it's like you say, you can buy the best ship. You can buy the universe. It doesn't give you the skill and experience. And it's a shame when people can do that because then, you know, the the players, the best players, have a, a real hard time fighting the players that have bought the way to the top. So it's just, it's a hurdle that you've either got to never try to jump over or jump over and carry on. Obviously, you feel it's wrong that people uh, are able just to have money. No, I don't think it's wrong. It's not wrong. It's just, it's a question, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a question of, uh, you know, allowing new players to gain 10 million credits on the first day and buy a Panther Clipper and go out and make another 10 million credits per day immediately. I think there should be some restriction I think there should be a lot of restriction in the way that how much people can do within a certain time period or the the status that they're at in the game. They may be able to build something in that can restrict that, such as, for instance, you know, some kind of like a federation pirate pilot's license or something, so that you're licensed, you, you get licensed for bigger ships as time goes on. So that allows you to kind of go through the ships in a more steady way rather than just buying a massive ship. That's one way they could implement it. I don't know if restricting cash is going to be a a, a real option. The pilot's license was, was my thoughts exactly. Uh, you know, the higher rating, the bigger the ship you can fly, etc., etc. And also with a, with a, a pilot's license, you could get like endorsements or um, visas. You know, it could, could all be kept in a a neat single little package like a pilot's license i think that's a great idea um and it's it's going to be difficult to do for frontier to build a game that rewards skill but i think if they were able to do it so that it didn't really matter what ship you bought because unless you actually knew how to fly it you know it's going to be of very little use to you it's a tall order i understand that but if they could do that i'd prefer to see that rather than Whenever somebody starts suggesting putting in some kind of, you know, immersion-breaking kind of restrictions on players, you know, I'm always thinking, is there a way that this can be fixed via the game's mechanics rather than something, kind, well, kind of naff? You could also have a trader's license. You know, you could, along with the pilot's license, you could have a trader's license, which takes you up level by level. And when so many transactions have been completed... You know, you get a higher rating until your trader's rating is level 10 and then there's no restrictions. You don't, uh, say, level, trader's level 1, you can only have 100,000 credits in your account and so on and so forth, up to whatever level it is and then it's limitless. Of course, that would take time. 
So then you, you, your new players that come into the game would have to work to an extent into um, rewarding themselves, really, through time and effort uh, achieving in the game. And then it wouldn't be so bad if it took, say, I don't know, two weeks to get a full trader's license and then your friends say, right, here's 300 million, fine. Um, I just don't want new players turning up on day one, being the richest people you've ever met with the biggest ships and, and being able to uh, to affect things, you know, because somebody who comes along who spent three months in the game, working their way up, mining, doing missions and deliveries and trading, they're out one day in the ship and along comes this noob in a big Viper 2 and just destroys them, um, you know, and that that's not what I want to happen. Do you not think maybe that the backers kind of have that? You know, when this game gets released, there are going to be people who who've bought it off the shelf after seeing, you know, maybe some footage on YouTube from the alpha, beta, whatever. But the all the backers are going to have starting ships, which are much better than the Sidewinder. Some of them are going to be starting with thousands of credits, and there's also the founder's system, which in itself is a reward, you know. In a way, we're all going to get boosted at the start, compared to some other poor people, you know, and they and they would probably say, hey, why is it fair that these people, just because they spent more money, as a lot of us have, you know, why should they get all the goodies? We, the, the backers, when I say we, by the way, made a decision. You know, the question was asked. David Braben wanted to know if there was enough interest for this game. After so many years of waiting, was the interest still out there? He got a big shock. Yes, yes, there is still interest out there. And for those that um, donated on the Kickstarter, that was their decision. That was their choice. Anybody could have donated, you know, just because it's a, a year and a half after the Kickstarter and the game's been released and it's, oh, my God, you know, I've, the first time I log into this game and there's this player with a, with a, a foundership and a decal that I'll never have. That's so unfair. Well, sorry, but you missed the boat, mate. That's that's tough. It's tough. And I've been in games where there's been special events going on, um, and because I took a break from playing that game, I missed out on it. And uh, you know, some, sometimes it's it's awful to uh, to have all your friends with the new gear and you're still in your old stuff. You know, <laughs> they're like making fun of you. That's that's life. And we donated because we wanted to see it happen. I don't. I'm touching on on what we were talking about um, earlier. I don't care that Frontier Developments has said, "Oh, yeah, we've got all these uh, these resources in reserve, which we you know we weren't talking about before, but we've got them now." You know, and people are saying, "Oh my God, what? Why did you bother asking for donations if you had all this money? You could have made the game ten times over." That's not the point. <laughs> the point is, David Braben asked. The donations, he got donations. Uh, there, were, there was enough interest out there. There was enough people, such as me and you, who were willing to put his hand in his pockets and uh, the money where our mouth is and, and put it on uh, on Kickstarter. We made it happen. You know, we, 27,000 of us, made it happen, which is fantastic. You know, it's all about the game. No, it's just, uh, you know, when you said about... Um those theoretical people that might complain about founders, you know, having goodies they don't have access to. And you said that uh, that's life tough. Just going back to what we were saying about people having money and being able to pay for stuff. Why can't it just be, you know, that's life tough. Some people have money and some people don't when it comes to buying gear in game. 
Uh, last question then, by the looks of it. Ship cockpits now uh, elite dangerous are more like souped up versions of the like the static cockpits from previous games rather than the like the fully three D ones that I've seen in Star Citizen and there seems to be some other games starting up now where they're really focusing on having like a fully working cockpit. Whereas, but looking at the one uh, HUD and cockpit they've published the cockpit is obviously unique to the ship you're in which is that's the big change but the herd still sits on top of it and so i get the feeling that you know it's nothing like the star citizen cockpit so so i mean what do you think are you happy with that or do you wish that maybe they had modeled a full 3d cockpit that you could look around if you had the right hardware i'm just looking at the picture of the cockpit and to be honest uh, it's just it's like we said on the, on the Conclave Three. It's what you get used to, and when I when I look at the cockpit, it it feels almost familiar. You know, you've seen it before, you've been there before, you know what things do. But then when you look at it more closely, you think, you know, I haven't got a clue. But you know, it looks the business to start with, and I can well imagine having that as an environment in which to play the game. It looks really good. I mean, this one in particular, judging by the image um, with the shield, un- um, you know, the shield readout, it, it's around a, um, a sidewinder. So this looks like a sidewinder cockpit. And, you know, the difference between this and previous games is obviously the cockpit will change depending what ship you're in. I think, it, I think it's awesome because, you know, that's why I liked the previous game. I found that the cockpits on a lot of other space games are far more overbearing. You know, they took up too much real estate. Uh, this one takes up a bit more real estate in so much that you have got like um, more cockpit. It's not just all along the bottom. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're not bothering with trying to model, you know, a pair of hands on a joystick or something like that, like Star Citizen have done. And to be honest, I think I've said it on a podcast that with um, the Star Citizen cockpit, it, it looks good. And it's something that you'll show your mates when you're trying to impress them with the game. But when it comes to when you're actually playing the game, are you really going to care that much? And I don't think you are. No. No, I've already said this. Um, you know, Frontier uh, Elite 2 and from, um, Frontier First Encounters, sorry, uh, they were great games. They were really great games. The graphics was not that great, even for the time. The graphics weren't that great, but they were so playable. I don't think people... Yeah, the wow factor lasts for me... I'm not very easily impressed. The wow factor of the graphics and everything that looks beautiful lasts for about 30 minutes. After that, I'm more into the mechanics of what you can do and how you do it, what's possible, what's achievable. So it's more the actual gameplay than what it looks like. And I guess there's a lot of other people like that as well. But yeah, to a certain degree, you do want to be visually stunned. You know, you want, wow, that's great. I'd rather have be stunned, though, from, like, you know, the models of the ships, you know, what I can see out of the window, um, rather than... You're going to be really surprised at a lot of things because um, I can imagine, you know, you're doing a mission for federal military, God bless them, and, you know, they say, we want you to go and blow this imperial telescope because it's spying on us. And you say, okay, so you go blow the telescope and, you you know, it's like the 4th of July. It lights up the system and I can well imagine doing that. That would be fun, you know. So graphics, yeah, you do take um, a part in the enjoyment of the game, but for me, it's not the most important thing. Obviously, we know what faction you're going to be playing. 
But does that mean that you're going to go military or are you just going to be aligned with them? I mean, what role do you want to play, first of all? I mean, you'll probably end up playing everything. But, uh, you know, what's the first thing you want to go and do in Elite Dangerous? I need more information. Uh, That's not an easy question to answer because even though I've got ideas about what I need to do, uh, first of all, then there may be something else that uh, that pops up that I need to do first. So I need more information to make a fully informed opinion about uh, about what I want to do first. But the first thing that I'm going to do is get in my ship and get enough fuel to travel to Eta Cassiopeia. Once I'm there, then I'll start to... Uh, I, I, re- I can't answer the next big... <laughs> It's classified, John. I can't tell you, but yes, I need to get to Eta Cassiopeia first. Okay, fine. So, um, are you going to be in on the Alpha or Beta? Beta, yes. The The problem with the Alpha, I didn't think, I think this was there like a month or two months of Alpha testing, I didn't think that for what input or, or, or what use I could be would be any benefit in, in Alpha testing. Beta testing, yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll be okay at that, but the uh, the real gripes, the things that need changing before a beta release, I'm going to leave that to the experts. Well, I'm kind of glad that you know, um, as John Harper said, you know, you had that kind of respect for it because it's actually work alpha testing. It's not just nice, very early access to a full game as a lot of people would like to imagine. Yeah. I mean, I've only got access because somebody was kind enough to jaunty for me. But um, so, so you're going to have beta. Yeah. Are you going to do anything different when you're playing beta than you will in the final game? Are you going to you know, try something different out, maybe? Oh, absolutely. The, that's the whole point of beta. Find the bugs. Um, find the loopholes. Find, find the station that crashes your game when you try and dock. You know. So you're going to go more explorer then, rather than actually uh, trying to make some cash or something? It depends what... In, in beta, it should be unlimited... Everything. So you know, you should you should always have fuel in your cargo hold to transfer to your ship. You should be able to destroy your ship and um, and respawn a thousand times. Because if it's just a normal game, you know, you're going to have a, a difficult time trying to get anywhere if you start off with an Eagle Mark Two and a hundred credits. So I think for beta, you know, you're going to have to have some exceptional parameters. To, in, in order to test the game fully. Exploring, nah. Um, I'd be more into the game mechanics. If you think about it, if you're going to go exploring and see planets that you've never seen before, you can do that later. The important thing about beta is to make sure it works, make sure there are no errors or bugs that, that are going to affect the game, um, and just generally make sure that it's, um, it's worthy for public release. Yeah, the alpha testing, too hardcore. Beta testing, yeah, I'll I'll do the beta. Well, thanks very much for your time, buddy. No problem, John. I dare say I'll see you in-game. Absolutely. You take it easy, sleep well. Thanks a lot.